Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Anti-Bullying 101. This podcast is designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with the problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host. I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience in education. Currently, I'm a college instructor, and I've designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Enjoyed the podcast, everybody. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to Anti-Bullying 101. My name is Jim Burns. I'm happy to be with you here today. Last week, we took off. We're back at it again this week. We're still fighting the COVID pandemic. Slowly but surely, things seem to be getting better. I got my shot on Friday. Uh, And I will tell you, I had a couple of uh, days where I felt kind of like, blah, but uh, I bounced back and I'm doing pretty well. We get another shot on April 9th. Um, And we're here to talk about bullying and a lot of other things that that are on my mind right now. Um, Interestingly enough, how this episode came about I was talking to my wife, and we, uh, I'm in the process of getting certified as a personal trainer, and there's a ton of content that you have to memorize. And I, I said to my wife, Pat, I said to her, you know, I've been memorizing my whole life. Because there are things that happened to me that... I knew that if they happened again, I had to have a, a, a almost a canned response. You see, there's either a response or a reaction. And if, as you grow older, if things happen enough to you, you can can your response so you know what you're going to say in certain situations and you know what you're going to do. See, we can either be situationally reactive or situationally responsive. And being situationally responsive means that we have a plan. We know what we're supposed to do. We know what we're going to do. And we don't fear certain things because we've already rehearsed in our mind what we're going to say. Situationally reactive people haven't had time to rehearse. They haven't had time to rehearse their response. They don't know what to do, so they react. Situationally responsive people 
know what to say because they've rehearsed enough or they've been raised in a home that has taught them progressively the correct responses in difficult situations. And Pat and I had this discussion and I have spent years memorizing content and reading tea leaves and observing situations and pinpointing exactly what needs to be said in certain situations. Now, do I get it wrong? You bet. And do I not want to say things because I'm afraid of a reaction of someone else? Yeah, that happens for sure. But if you're situationally responsive and you're you have said things to people that have created a reaction. You, and you've done that enough over the course of your lifetime, guess what? You figured out the response. You figured out exactly what you have to say. And sometimes what you have to say is nothing. Is nothing. You're better off walking away from it because you're going to end up in an argument. Or you're going to get tongue-tied because you're frightened and you don't know what to say. So, in looking at this episode that I have before me, I know that teachers fear confrontations. A lot of people fear confrontations, not teachers. It's unfair to just say teachers. A lot of people fear it. But they fear it because they don't know what their response should be. Now, wouldn't it be nice if we could proactively develop a plan that would avoid reactions on the part of other people. How how does that sound? We develop a plan that avoids reactions on the part of other people. And I think what you would find is... Once you had a plan in place, nothing can shake your cage. Nothing. Truly, nothing can shake your cage. Because you're not afraid of the reaction. You're not afraid of their reaction, a person's reaction. And sometimes situations can be unmanageable. Sometimes situations can become confrontational, but if you know what you're going to say and you have rehearsed this response over in your head because of past experiences. See, it's one thing to be afraid of an experience that you've had, but it's another thing not to prepare for that experience again. You can't walk out of a meeting, let's say you're a teacher, with a parent and say, boy, I'm glad that's over with. No, you have to come out of that meeting and say, what did I learn from it? And what, how am I going to learn how to be situationally responsive in the future? And how am I going to proactively develop a plan where when I work with people, I, I basically know how to assert myself. I know how to show compassion. I know how to, I know how to um, be honest with myself, be honest with the person that I'm speaking with, 
Because when we're afraid of a reaction, we're never honest. How did Johnny do on that test? Oh, he did great. Because you're afraid the parent's going to react. What you say is, oh, he did great. Really, he failed. And you don't want to give them that information. Now, there's some things that we can do to help become, help us become more situationally responsive. And I'm going to go over them here. But these are proactive in nature. There are things that we can do and there are thoughts that we need to develop. And we have to look at things through a very, very different lens as we deal with this. Because we've got to be honest with ourselves and we have to have the ability to through it all, build a relationship with the kid, yet by, but not giving away the store and staying in charge and doing the same thing with parents. And if there are people who are administrators and superintendents, you need this podcast like right now because you need to know how to be situationally responsive with an irate parent so that you don't end up giving away the store and having every teacher in the school or in your school district mad at you for a decision that you made. And I know most people, don't, you know, in an administrative position, you're not too worried about people being mad at you. Right? Wrong. And most of the time, half the people are mad at you. Because, why? Because half of them agree with you and half of them disagree. So if you hear this podcast and you're, an administ- and you're a teacher, send it to your administrator. Let them listen to it. Because I think it'll help them. Now, first thing we have to do. Stra- ten strategies that you can use right away. Now, some of them are outward, some of them are part of your psyche, you're thinking this way, okay? Number one, the two by ten, and I've spoken about this a hundred times, and it comes from Dr. Alan Mendler, this isn't my creation, it's two minutes a day for ten days straight, have a conversation with a kid like you would with your best friend, just have a conversation, chat with them, see, we're tri- with kids, what we're trying to do is avoid a confrontation with the kid in front of the class. We don't want it happening in front of people. And furthermore, we don't want an irate parent coming in and screaming in the outer office. So sometimes even with parents, if you see a parent in the outer office, regardless of whether or not that Uh, kids, um, that parent's kid is in your class, have a two-minute conversation with them because you don't know when that kid might be in your class. And at least you've started to build the framework for the relationship. The two by ten. Two minutes a day, ten days straight, have a conversation with a kid like you would with your best friend. This is not to take place during the discipline process. This takes place You know, when you're hanging around, maybe in the cafeteria, maybe in the hallway, maybe when they're online waiting for a drink, who knows what it is. Have a conversation with them. Chat. How you doing? What's going on? How's mom? Did you see the baseball game last night? How you doing in so-and-so's class? Blah, blah, blah. What are your friendships like? Anything. Two minutes. That's all you got to do. 
By the eighth day, the kid will be coming to you for the conversation, and that's what you want. Now, at least you got a hook. And the kid and you are starting to develop that relationship, and the relationship keeps both of you from going into that situationally reactive mode. You don't want a confrontation. You want to avoid it. Number two, I like you, but... I like you, but I don't like your behavior. And here's where you got to be honest with yourself. You don't like the kid. I mean, let's be real. If an adult did some of the things to us that a kid did to us, that's in our class, like give us the finger, scream at us, abuse us, crumple up paper in front of us, and so on, what would happen is we wouldn't like them. We wouldn't like them. So the idea here, the idea here is we have to come clean with this because every kid will notice our body posture and our, the look on our face when they show up because we figured we might be having an easy day and these kids have a tendency to show up, you know, like right around lunch hour. If you look at the attendance sheet and it says, Joe's not in and you're like, yay, I could teach. And then Joe shows up later in the day. And then you're like, oh, and Joe sees that on your face. Joe knows it. Joe knows that, you know, this I like you butt business is a bunch of hooey and garbage and that you really don't like them. So you have to come clean with that in your own mind and then take the steps to try and figure out how you can form a relationship with that kid. I like you, but I don't like your behavior. Sorry, it doesn't exist. The next. Go from the interrogatory to the imperative. What does this mean? Stop asking questions. Here's, here, here's great stuff that we say. We're going to do math now, okay? Where is your pencil? Why are you late? Um, let's see. What, what are some of the other things that we, that we say to kids? Um, do me a favor. Do me a favor. You move away from that interrogatory approach and stop asking questions and say, you don't have a pencil, you're unprepared. Turn to page 30 in your math book. You're late, see me after class. Stop getting involved. Stop getting involved in discussions where a kid is wrong, okay, and, you're, and you start asking too many questions. I've seen this. Kids are cutting up in the classroom. Teachers take them outside the classroom and they say to them, What's wrong today? You're just not yourself. What's going on? It doesn't matter what's wrong. The child, the kid, the young adult has a responsibility. Let's see if he can pull it together and, and fulfill his responsibilities for that day, like doing his work, staying in his seat, and so on. But stop asking him questions. I'm going to be putting avoiding power struggles with parents and students in the episode description. There will be a link there. The book cost about $7. By the way, I look for donations all the time. 
in the podcast. <coughs> if you can, click on the link and donate. If you can, I understand. The podcast doesn't run by itself, but we do need help, and we always need help. All podcasts need sponsorships and other things. So, this is a, your opportunity. You're not only making a donation, if you can call it that, you're buying something, but you're also what? Getting something in return. You're getting this whole podcast book in return, and it's well worth it. Next one. Understand your own strengths and weaknesses. This is known as your imprint. If you're imprinted with the idea that uh, you, you have a fear of being yelled at, you fear being yelled at. If you're imprinted with that because you've been yelled at so much when you were a kid or you got yelled at so much, you're going to have a difficult time if a parent comes in and starts shooting their mouth off. Really. So you have to understand why you're afraid of being yelled at. And you have to figure out how you're going to stop how you're going to work with that fear. The other thing you have to be aware of during this period this piece here understanding strengths and weaknesses is when you discipline a student you want to ask yourself, am I going to be supported by administration? And if I'm not going to be supported, I'm better off not even imposing certain consequences. So ask yourself that question, and I would even have a discussion with my administrator and ask them, hey, this is what I want to do with this kid and I want to know if you'll support my, my consequence. Because if you don't and you get overturned, the problem is going to be what? Yeah, you look foolish. You don't look good. It's a problem. It's a real problem. So understand that one. Next one. Enforce the rules. We all have rules. But... Also, balance them with compassion and understanding. Enforce the rules, but balance them with compassion and understanding. There's nothing wrong with being compassionate and loving and caring and kind. But if you have rules in your classroom, you have to have rules and regulations, but there also has to be a balance of compassion and understanding. If you walk around like an autocrat, Kids are going to respond to you that way. And if you walk around like a namby-pamby, fearing to impose any consequence, kids are going to react to you as well. Matter of fact, they won't have respect for either, but they do respect the balance. The balance. The next one that we have here. Know, understand in your classroom, because this helps with dealing with being responsive or reactive. Know the three types of liars. Kids, and I will tell you this right now, kids lie. They all lie. They lie like rugs. Small lies, big lies, 
if they think they're going to get into trouble, if they think you're going to react. And by the way, as a parent, if you want to produce an expert liar, react to everything that they do. They won't tell you any. They won't tell you the truth, and they'll lie when it's just as easy to tell the truth. The two, three types of liars. You have an outright liar. You ask him a question, you know your answer is going to be a lie. You have the con artist. And this kid could sell ice to an Eskimo. And the homework that you're looking for in January, you're not going to see. And it will be June and he will not have it done. But he'll convince you that it will be done. And then you have the withholder, and this is the one that I dealt with for much of my career. The withholder is someone that comes down to the office, you ask him what happened. He takes responsibility for about 10% of, of an event in a classroom that got him thrown out of the room. 10%. Really, it was him who was responsible for 90%, but he just withheld so much information, his story sounded just that good. Until you got the full story. The other thing that I will tell you is you have to wait at times to answer matters, because if you answer them before you, you hear everything that you need to hear, Okay, you're gonna, it's going to be folly for you, and you're going to have difficulty. You want to avoid the confrontation? Sweat it out. A kid leaves the room, comes back 15 minutes later, don't even ask him where he was, because it doesn't matter where he was. He's 15 minutes late. Check on his steps later in the day. Confront him when you have all your facts. It avoids confrontations because you know the truth. So you're reacting to that kid that left with the hall pass and came back 15 minutes later, because, uh, you know, out of sheer anger at that point. He didn't come back. He didn't come back. Where is this kid? You know, and so on. Wait. Just wait. Understand how to be a good listener. There's five types of listening. Ignoring which we do all the time, selective listening, which you do with the three-year-old, and you wait for the blood-curdling scream to come, because if you listen to everything a three-year-old had to say, you'd go crazy. Then you have um, pretend listening, which you do when you're on the phone with someone and you want to get off and they don't. Then you have attentive listening, where you're kind of paying attention, you're hearing it, but you don't have a full visual picture of the whole event in your mind. And then you have the big one, empathic listening, where you are listening with your eyes, your ears, your mind, your body, your soul. Okay, everything is in that conversation, and you can feel the pain, and you can work with somebody. You want to avoid a confrontation, try to practice empathic listening. Empathic listening is not feeling sorry for somebody, it's understanding somebody. You got that one? That's important. You wouldn't think it was. You wouldn't think it was. Next one. Avoid being negative through rumors and gossip. I've written an entire course on this. 
spreading rumors and gossip throughout the school. And you have to teach the kids how to do this, not spread rumors and gossip. Why? It does nothing but cause confrontations between them. And if you hear a rumor or a gossip and you have information that you start to spread, and most of the time people will tell you something and they want to make you feel special. Hey, listen, I got to tell you something. Promise you won't tell anybody else. Meanwhile, and, and then I often might say, you'd say, yeah, and you're the only one I'm telling, when I already told like four people. And stuff spreads like napalm around the school. And if you ever get caught and confronted, and usually the person that ends up confronting people is the administration, and they don't even do it verbally. They just stick it in your evaluation because they don't like the fact that you're a, a rumor monger and you, you go around spreading gossip. Lay off of the rumors and gossip. Stop talking about each other, about the, the students in the faculty room, about certain parents. Stop complaining. Just be responsible and do your job. And you'll avoid a myriad of problems. Next one. Take care of yourself. A healthy person can deal with confrontations better than an unhealthy person. An unhealthy person may have already have high blood pressure and it's probably because they don't know how to deal with confrontations or they get angry at certain people when they should be angry at other people. And I've already gone over many times the four ways you can take care of yourself. Physically, mentally, socially, emotionally, and spiritually. And you'll have to go back into some of my podcasts to f figure those out, to get those. Physically, take a walk. Get a little exercise. Okay, just get out in the fresh air. Maybe do a few calisthenics in the morning, stretching, yoga, whatever floats your boat. Do something like that. Physically, mentally, keep yourself mentally stimulated, read a book, read a magazine, stay current, understand the news. We can get anything we want now right off our phone, but the fact is reading a newspaper, reading a book, reading editorials, they're all good. And you should read much more than you should watch television, even though we can watch anything we want whenever we want right now. Socially and emotionally, understand your roles and understand what you need to do within those roles. If you happen to be a husband and a son and a father and a teacher, you have four roles. You have to know what your responsibility is in each one of those roles. And you have to make sure you take your responsibility seriously. And sometimes we get out of balance and we don't necessarily put enough time into the role of a father or a husband and we spend too much time at work, we get out of balance and now we got a problem. 
and that's not good. And sometimes we're not told early enough, and what happens is we end up having marital problems, or we end up having employment problems because of the fact that we're having marital problems. You have the marital problem, then you have the, first you have the employment problem where you're spending too much time at work, then you have the marital problem where you end up divorced. Now you end up divorced and you got an employment problem because you're trying to figure your life out again. Take the time, spend the appropriate amount of time in each one of your roles. And then we have the spiritual peace. <coughs> spiritual peace is this. Whatever feeds you, whatever gives you the energy that you need, whether it be, for me, it's prayer and I like reading the Bible. For others, it could be yoga. For some, it could be nature. For some, it could be just uh, a walk, you know, breathing in the fresh air where they meditate and they think about all the good things that are going on. Take the time to participate in that dimension because it's going to help you eventually and you need to draw energy from that dimension. Remember the topic of this episode. We're going to be avoiding power struggles with students and parents. That's the title of this episode. I'm going to put the book in the episode description along with the website and, all, and a bunch of other stuff for you to click on. This is a two-part series. What we're going to do is we're going to start with the next part, and it's going to be learning how to fog. How to fog somebody. And we'll explain that when we meet up again next week. But for now, I think I've given you enough information for you to wrap your head around and see if you can use some of this information to help you deal with students and parents and probably other adults as well. So do your best to try and put some of these things into action. Try to understand the things that I've told you, you know, because they do help avoid confrontations. Be careful of and and understand your own imprint. Understand when you get angry at something else and you come into school with it, the chances are good you may take it out on others like your students or other parents or maybe even other teachers. So really get a handle on who you are, what you need to understand, and we're going to move forward. Um... Next week, we're going to start off with learning how to fog. And I'll explain that one to you next week. You can look it up if you care to. Uh, F-O-G, fog. Okay, and you'll get an understanding of it. And so for our next lesson, what we're going to have is how to fog people. And I'll teach you how to do that. My name is Jim Burns. You've been listening to Anti-Bullying 101. It's been my pleasure to be with you on this wonderful St. Patrick's Day. I hope you all have a, a great day, whether you're eating corned beef and cabbage or otherwise. And we will be back at you next week 
I hope everyone stays safe. I hope everyone stays healthy. Okay, once again, my name is Jim Burns, and I will see you all next week with another episode of Anti-Bullying 101. Thank you.